Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints of God, dearly beloved, today and the next two Sundays, the church has given us to hear the words of our Lord Jesus from John chapter 16. We had that reading this morning and we'll have the reading before it next week and the reading after it in two weeks. This chapter 16 of John is a fantastically important chapter in a fantastically important section of the scriptures. In reality, the section is much, much larger. It begins with chapter 12 and goes all the way to chapter 17. And John is recording for us the details of our Lord's instruction to his people, to his disciples, on the day before he's crucified. This, then, John 16, is on the same night when Jesus gave his last will and testament. It's on the same night when he took off his cloak and wrapped around himself a towel in order to wash his disciples' feet. It's on the same night that he prays for his disciples, that he takes them to the garden, that he's betrayed by Judas and handed over to be killed. The same night. And Jesus is, is comforting his disciples right before his crucifixion and resurrection. He, he's trying to tell them what's going to happen and what benefit it will be for them. On the one hand, Jesus is trying to get through to them the fact that he has to die and that it's going to happen in just a few hours. He says, a little while and you will see me no more. He's trying to get it through their heads, which are, have a difficult time comprehending this. That everything that they had hoped for and dreamed for is about to unravel before them. But then he's also, on the other hand, trying to convince them that this is a good thing. That he will only be gone again for a little while, for three days. He's comforting them by putting before them the benefits of his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And that's why we hear him now today. In the season of Easter, as we ramp up for the celebration, the Feast of Ascension, Jesus is comforting his disciples with the benefits of what his death and resurrection and ascension will bring to them. And especially in the text this morning, Jesus assures his disciples and his church that his death will be only temporary, that he will be back with them a little while, and that this will result in their great joy. The phrase that Jesus uses, and it's over and over in the text, is this little phrase, a little while. It's one word in the Greek, mikron, like micro in microscope, just a short little thing. And it's so often in the text that it seems almost funny. It's kind of a gratuitous repetition. A little while... And you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And then the disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you won't see me. And a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. And then verse 18, which seems completely repetitive. So they were saying, What does this mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. So Jesus, 
knew they wanted to ask him, so he says to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you won't see me, and again, a little while and you will see me? Yes, Jesus. That's what they want to know. They want to know what this little while means. And we know. A little while and Jesus was going to be dragged away to the, by the soldiers. That he was going to be driven from the palace to the to the to the uh, to Pilate to Herod and back to Pilate to be condemned. We knew in a little while he's going to be condemned and beaten and crucified and buried, and then a little while later he will raise from the dead, be the first fruits of the resurrection, and this again will bring the disciples great joy. Hear the comforting words of Jesus, verse twenty. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, and the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. And, and to prove it, Jesus will give them example. The, the example of an expecting mother. When a woman is giving birth, says Jesus, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Sorrow means exceeding pain. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus will rise from the grave. He will, he's promising, he will come back to his disciples, and the result will be Joy. Joy that overcomes all sorrow. Joy that cannot be stolen away. Joy. Joy, dear saints, comes from the resurrection of Jesus. And if we wonder what that joy looks like, we can just consider how it is with Jesus after his resurrection. I think we've I think we've reflected on this before, but this always brings me great delight to consider in the season of Easter. That Jesus after the resurrection, and this is, please hear this with all respect. Jesus after the resurrection is downright playful. Playful. I cannot think of a better word to describe how Jesus acts. Remember how he plays hide and go seek with the disciples on the road to Emmaus? He hides his face from them so that they cannot recognize him. The, the, the text says that when Jesus was, when they came to the place where they were going to go in, Jesus pretended like he was going to keep on going until they say, no, come with us. And then he stands there before them with the bread and they ask him to say the blessing and he breaks the bread and then he recognizes them. He shows himself to them and then poof, he's gone. And then... These two disciples that had gone all the way seven miles to Emmaus with Jesus turn around and run back to, run back to Jerusalem, run back to the upper room where the disciples are. I, I have never in my whole life run seven miles in a row. I do not know how that would be. I don't know if it would be possible. But I suspect that after you've finished a seven-mile run, you're kind of winded. And they burst into the room. Oh, we've, we've got something to tell you. Jesus has risen from the dead. We saw him. And the disciples say, well, yeah, he was just here. <laughs> and he did.
disappeared from them. And why did Jesus keep coming into rooms and leaving? Because if you could go into a room without using the door, you would do it too. He appears to the disciples on the sea coast of Galilee. You remember how this went? He, there they are fishing. All night. They've caught nothing. Throw the net on the other side. And they catch so many fish that it almost breaks their net and probably their backs to get all of these fish back into the boat. And they get to the shore and find Jesus already has fish there. Cooked already. Boiled over some coals. I'm waiting for Bible class one morning to say, Pastor, we don't have, this is a big emergency, we don't have any donuts. Could you run to the store and get some donuts for us? And I'd run down to the store and I'd get some donuts and I'd bring them back and I'd come into the library and there would be a whole platter with donuts and cakes. And I'd, what are you guys playing at? But that's exactly what Jesus does. He already has the fish there. Playful. I mean, I don't know if you want another word. Think about it. When Jesus comes and, and shows to his disciples his wounds, his pierced hands and his feet and the hole in his side, do you know how children will show you their owies? Do you know how that? Look at this. Jesus says, can you believe what? Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger in here. Look at this hole in my hand. Look at this big gaping gap in my side. Jesus walks into the room without using the door. He breathes on his disciples. His constant refrain is peace. Peace be with you. Peace, peace, peace. He is playful. If, if you want to give me a different word, you can. But the point is that Jesus has reached a place now where he is beyond the reach of sin, beyond the reach of temptation, beyond the reach of death, beyond the grasp of the grave, past all of the troubles in this world. There, there is nothing to hold back his joy. The perfect joy which comes from the Father's love, which comes from the Father's gift of life. And it's such a supreme contrast because here are the disciples worried and fretting and afraid and scared and confused. And here is Jesus playing with them and giving them peace and joy and comfort and life because He can, because He's risen, because He sees what we cannot see, that our sins are forgiven, that everything's going to be okay, that the devil's head is firmly under the foot of Jesus and He can do nothing to get you. Jesus knows that and He is full of joy. And it brings us joy also. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about peace. Most people want to see peace as something on the inside, inner peace, this kind of thing. But that's not the case. The peace that Jesus gives is peace between us and God. And the same is true for joy. People want joy to be this kind of inner happiness, this inner state of being. And it is good to have a joyful heart. To have delight in the inner man, like Paul says. But joy does not come from the inside of us. It comes from outside. In fact, it comes from so far outside that joy does not come from the things that happen to us or the things that happened around us. Joy comes from the resurrection of Jesus. Dear saints, our lives 
are wrapped up with Jesus' life. We are united to Him, connected to Him, one with Him. He's the engine and we're the caboose. Where He goes, we go. So it is that just as Jesus has died, so we who have been baptized have been crucified with Christ. And just as Jesus has come out of the grave and risen from the dead, we too will one day come out of the grave. We will rise in newness of life. We will one day be beyond the reach of trouble and temptation and sin and death and sickness and darkness and trouble and temptation and the devil will be beyond the reach of all of it. And Jesus knows this. And so he says, Rejoice. Be glad. I have overcome death for you. Dear saints, this great resurrection of our Lord Jesus means that we too will one day be in the resurrection with Him. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can prevent it. Nothing can stand in your way. Not your sin, not your troubled conscience, not your sickness, not your grave, nothing. You belong to Jesus who destroyed your grave and forgives your sin. Rejoice. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.